0: Welcome to Smart Poker Study, brought to you by thepokerforge.com. I'm your coach, Sky Matsuhashi, and this is the podcast for profitable play and study strategies. Along with those, I give you action steps to take because action is the greatest teacher. My goal is to turn you, my student, into the player that you want to be on your poker journey, one step at a time. Let's do this. I am stoked about today's podcast episode because I'm going to give you three of my favorite plays. Now, two of them are pot-earning plays, so basically bluffing your opponent post-flop. One of them to get max value out of your opponents. So I highly recommend uh, that you take notes because with this episode here, I'm going to give you the different aspects of each of these plays, what makes them successful. So you're going to want to whip out that journal, right, Sheriff Bart? Excuse me while I whip this out. <laughs> yep and to help you take notes, you can always go to the show notes page. It's basically a transcript of everything I say in the episode. So go to smartpokerstudy.com pod336. Okay, no more games. Let's get to work. Gambate! We win, and they get the chicks. That sucks, dude. But I'm telling you, it's jobs. We gotta get jobs. Then we get the khakis then we get the chicks starting tomorrow we got to stop playing games so you're about to hear me discuss some really good plays but here's the critical idea action's the greatest teacher listening sure you're going to learn something (gasps) but to really get everything you can out of this podcast take notes on what you're about to hear and then practice these plays on the felt so the first pot earning play is floating flops to steal turns. In this play, the general way it works is you call the flop c-bet with a plan of bluffing when they check on the turn. So it's a very simple call now, bluff later plan. And I absolutely love this play and I want to share with you how to do it properly. There's five aspects that really help if all of these things are in place, really help this play succeed. Number one is to be in position. Everything in poker is easier when you're in position. You all know this, right? And being in position makes it more likely your opponent's going to fail to c-bet from out of position on the next street. When they show you that weakness, it's your time to pounce. Aspect number two is to have some equity. Now you can do this, um, call the flop, bluff the turn with absolutely no equity. No draw, no good pair, nothing... Potential, right? It's like holding 8 7 on an ace, king, deuce, flop. But I really like to do this with some sort of pair or even a backdoor draw or over cards on the flop. That kind of equity, just in case they call, I can back into something good. For example, you're holding the king of spades, queen of spades, and the flop is 9 3 deuce with one spade. So there are some really good t- turn cards for you. A king, a queen gives you top pair. A jack or a 10 gives you a gut shot draw, and any spade gives you a flush draw now. If he checks to you on any of those cards, and then you decide to bet and he calls, you can hit a good card on the river, completing a straight, completing a flush, giving you a top pair hand, or even a two pair, or trip, kings! Now the third aspect is that the razor's range missed both the flop and the turn. So Your opponent, they raised preflop and you called in position. They have plenty of Ace-X, King-X, Queen-X hands in their range. So what kind of boards are they going to hate seeing? Probably low and dry boards, things like 9-3-deuce and 4-5-7. Also like monotone boards, and even two-tone boards, a couple of spades out there. That's often going to be pretty scary if they don't hold a spade themselves. And you want to bluff on turn cards? that fall somewhere in the vicinity of the flop. So let's say the flop was 9-3-deuce. They see bet and you called in position. You'll really want to double barrel bluff. Not double barrel, I'm sorry. You want to bluff the turn when they check to you on any 9-8-7-6-5-4-3 or deuce. All of these cards are somewhere around the 9-3-deuce flop. Your opponent realizes you called the flop. You probably connected with 9-3-deuce in some way all these other cards are going to scare them a little bit more, making it more likely they're going to fold. All right, aspect number four is that your opponent is turn honest when out of position. So by turn honesty, uh, you're looking for players who C-bet the flop a heck of a lot, but they only barrel the turn with a strong hand. So look for, if you want to look at HUD stats, flop C-bet greater than 70%, and maybe a turn C-bet at less than 40%. those are That's a really good indicator, right? The bigger that gap between the two streets of c-betting, the more honest they are, the more likely they're going to fold after checking to you. And the fifth and final aspect is you want to look for a small flop c-bet sizing. Maybe you know that this player likes to c-bet two-thirds or three-quarter pot quite often. You've seen them do it with top pair hands. If they make it half pot or one-third pot there's a very good chance they're totally bluffing you, right? And pair that with them checking the turn after you call the flop. Small flop c-bet equals weakness. Checking the turn equals weakness gives you an even greater indication that your turn bet is going to earn the pot. All right, so let's talk about the second pot earning play. It's double barrel bluffing. So when we're double barrel bluffing, we're putting two streets of pressure on our opponents in order to get them to fold and earn you the pot right now. Now, many opponents, they call flops a lot because they just don't want to give up too easily, right? They called pre-flop, They hit some kind of pair or some kind of a draw. They can't give up now on the flop. But with double barrel bluffs, we want to target these players who called too frequently on the flop, but they're willing to fold on the turn. Now again there are five aspects to this play and i hope you're taking notes aspect number one is to be in position again position is critical and it makes every play that you do it makes every hand that you play so much easier more profitable and more likely to succeed for value or for bluffs so if we think about this spot making a double barrel you are the pre-flop raiser you have a stronger range you also have a positional advantage your opponents are going to be more likely to fold because you have these two advantages over them and they're just in a bad spot. Aspect number two of double barrel bluffing is to have some kind of equity. So just like before, having equity gives you a backup plan in case that double barrel bluff is unsuccessful. Straight up bluffs like that 8-7 on the you know ace high board, eh, that's not as good as semi-bluffing with at least some backdoor equity. So that prior example, King of spades, queen of spades on a 9-3-deuce board with one spade. Great hand to double barrel, right? You bet the flop, they call, but you can double barrel on a spade, which gives you a flush draw. A king or a queen gives you a top pair. A jack or a 10 gives you a gut shot. An ace might be scary too because maybe they would have folded on the flop with just an ace. An ace hits, now they're 10-9 or jack-9 is now beat because an ace hit and you double barreled. Okay. Aspect number three is the turn misses their range. You should be more uh, willing to double barrel bluff on turn cards that uh, do not interact well with your opponent's range. Now, if we think about the situation, your opponent uh, out of position, checked, then called your C-bet, which means they likely have some kind of pair or a drawing hand. So you want to barrel on cards that do not complete draws nor strengthen their possible hands. So let's say the flop was seven six three. You see bet, they called. You don't really want to barrel bluff on a 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, or a 3. Maybe not even a deuce, right? You want to probably double barrel bluff them on bigger cards, ace, king, queen, and jack. The fourth aspect of double barrel bluffing, you want an opponent who is turn honest. Especially when out of position, if you've got position against them, right? If they fold... Versus C bets on the turn when out of position anywhere greater than 50%. And sometimes you'll find them 70, 80% they fold. Awesome. Double barrel bluff them. And the last thing is your bet sizing. Uh, you need to hit their pain threshold with your bet size. You want to go at least the same size that you made it on the prior street. And oftentimes even a little bit bigger. It It kind of helps to sell the idea that you're going for extra value now that he called you on the flop. So maybe you can go from a 50% flop C bet to 60% on the turn or 60, then 70. Now, one interesting thing I like to experiment with is smaller bet sizes on flop. So if they're paying attention, any increase in size is going to be noticeable. If you're in position and C bet the flop 33% pot, well, they call, They they it's a small bet and it looks like uh, it looks like either one of two things, trying to save money on a bluff or you're trying to squeak value out of them. When you increase it on the turn to 55 to 65%, that looks like a huge increase in their eyes. And that is definitely going to hit their pain threshold. And depending on the opponent, they might even be able to fold weak top pairs or at least second pair hands and most draws versus this larger bet size. All right, let's get to the max value play. This is the third play we're discussing today, and it's called The River Overshove versus The Fish. So this is a play I learned from Nathan Williams or BlackRain79 and BlackRain79.com. I interviewed him back in episode 162. Great interview. If you want to listen to it, go to the show notes page. It's right there. But a long time ago, he posted an article called Six Bet Sizing Tricks to Skyrocket Your Poker Winnings. Now, the sixth play is the one that I'm talking about right now. It was a uh, over shoving the river with the nuts versus the fish. Now, I've used this play plenty of times to make max value off of my fishy opponents. But certain things need to line up. And let me tell you, I've screwed this play up before when things didn't line up. And I'll share how that happened in a minute. But let me talk about the three aspects that need to line up for this play. Number one is that your opponent is a fishy calling station. You want this fishy calling station in because they're the one most likely to call your river over shove. These players love calling with top pair weak kicker, second pair hands, and of course anything better. Two pair sets, straights, flushes, all that jazz, right? They don't think that uh, you know your over shove is indicative of holding the nuts. They see the strength of their hand and they think, wow, I have a really strong hand. I can make this call. Aspect number two is that you have the nuts. And when I say the nuts, I mean the nuts. Uh, You can make this play with less than the nuts, but you've really got to be careful. Um, Let's say you have jack 10 and the board is king, queen, nine, three, deuce, rainbow. So you have the nuts with your king, high, straight. Awesome. If you had instead a set of nines on the king, queen, nine, three, deuce board, and you shove, you're potentially risking him holding jack 10 for the nuts versus your set of nines. And the third aspect is that the board is action heavy, so it's very wet, and there are plenty of second and third best hands possible. So a really good example of this is king, queen, nine, eight, seven. So you hold the jack 10, which is the nut straight, king high, nut straight on king, queen, nine, eight, seven. But your opponent called a pre-flop, So on that board, they could have king, queen. They could have queen, nine. They could have pocket sevens for bottom set. They could have nine, eight, two pair. They could have even a worse straight, five, six, because remember there's a seven, eight, nine on the board. Awesome, there are so many second, third, fourth, fifth best hands possible that this fish will call versus your overshove on the river. But here's my (laughs) my warning to you. Uh, You can miss out on value or you can even lose your entire stack if you do it wrong. So first, um, I've tried this play against tight aggressive players and because they're tight, they they can often get away from top pair hands, even two pair or trips if the board is just right, right? Because they can find a fold so easily, not always, but quite often easily, a smaller value bet might be a better play. Now, you can also do what I've done and screw things up royally and lose your entire stack. I remember this instance where I did it. I had uh, pocket aces. Raise pre-flop. Flop comes down 10-6-3. I value bet 10-6-3. I have an overpair. The ace comes on the turn. Holy cow! I've got done nuts, as of right now, uh, top set on the ace 10-6-3 board. All of a sudden, the four comes on the river. I had value bet the flop and the turn my opponent called. I end up shoving. Because I got top set, right? The only thing that could beat me is a deuce 5 or 5-7. Well... Lo and behold, what happens? I over shove on the river. He auto calls with the nut straight five seven. So he flopped the gut shot. Uh, called me, and gave me value on the flop. In turn, the river hits his four outer hit, giving him giving him the straight, and he got my entire stack for it. So remember, if you're attempting this play, you really want all three aspects in place. Once again, number one, fishy opponent. Number two, ya gots the nuts. Number three action-heavy board, so there's plenty of second and third best hands possible. All right, before I get to the uh, challenge today, I want to give a shout out to some awesome poker peeps who purchased post-flop online poker. This is my fourth book, and in the book I talk everything post-flop, and I I discuss these three plays, but also other plays within the book. So I've got to thank Rodney Salsa, Lewis Montgomery, Ian Crotty, Roy Onings, Werner Tashner, and Eleftherios Milios for purchasing post-flop online poker. They simply went to smartpokerstudy.com slash Post-Flop Online Poker. All one word, Post-Flop Online Poker. And they picked up the book right there in either PDF or audiobook or both. And thank you very much for supporting the show. Challenge. Here's my challenge to you for this episode. Choose one of the three plays that I discussed and start practicing it this week. Look for all the factors I discussed and when they line up, pull the trigger on the play i don't care if you're scared do it scared baby you're only going to become a post-flop master by testing out every play for yourself so get started this week now it's your turn to take action and dippy dippy do something positive for your poker game oh that's it now get out there and be somebody Alrighty, Poker peeps, your learning isn't complete until you go to the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com pod336. And it's definitely not complete until you take action with these three plays this week. I want you to become the best poker player you can possibly be. And to help you do that, I created my online training site, thepokerforge.com. It's a -a one-of-a-kind training site where I combine strategy, action steps, quizzes, demonstrations like no other site does. I've got nine masterclass courses and they all teach you the strategies you need for a profitable journey. And action steps, right? Hundreds of them within the Poker Forge. This is what you need to turn yourself into the player that you want to be. So please go to thepokerforge.com for more information and sign up today. You want more poker tips? Maybe a daily poker tip? go to smartpokerstudy.com slash dailypokertips to get a 30-second tip every day. Until next time, take action both on and off the felt to become the player that you want to be.